and welcome to The Social Angle, a podcast that helps promo pros gain an edge in the social media realm. I'm Vinny, and on this episode, I'm joined by brand industry expert and author, Alan Adamson of Metaforce, to talk about how businesses can recognize when it's time for a change. Adamson, whose most recent book, Shift Ahead, is all about how the best organizations can bolster their brand while evolving, provides a lot of practical tips to stay relevant, including the use of social media. Is your business due for an upgrade? Then don't miss the latest social angle coming up right now. Alan, welcome to The Social Angle. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. How are things going out in New York City? Um, It's getting back to normal or the new normal is probably a better way to talk about it. Hashtag new normal, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, things are great here. Kind of a dreary day, but we're starting our Monday morning with a great topic. um, How to, you know, expand your uh, business uh, and brand through through social media. so before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your, your business and your branding background? Yeah, um, no one ever, I think, grows up to say, I want to be in branding. Um, maybe back in the day you grew up and said, I want to be uh, like the characters in, uh, in Don Draper and Mad Men. But uh, so I went to school, I was going to be a filmmaker. Um, uh, somehow Spielberg and Hollywood didn't call. Uh, so I went back to business school and then I went into uh making small films, oh, um, nice. advertising business uh, called commercials, if you remember what those, those were. Oh yeah. Uh, and had a pretty good time for a couple of years and then went to the dark side, as we said, I went to work at a, at a packaged goods company, which is a good way to learn marketing. It was a company called Unilever, still around today. Yep. And uh, despite our best efforts, the difference between one soap and another is not dramatic. And so why you choose one soap versus the other tends to be more marketing driven than product driven. <laughs> you know, they both clean well and you choosing one or I, one shampoo versus the other is very much about marketing. So it's a great place to learn how to, how to drive sales and marketing uh, for products that are not necessarily obviously different than one another or maybe not dramatically better. So after doing that for a number of years, it was a good experience. I, um, went back and I worked in the area of branding, a large global brand firm. And there was more focused on brand, which is what story you want in people's heads. Uh, And branding is how to get that story in people's heads. So um, that's more than you probably bargained for in terms of my background, but I've been in the business, both many dimensions of it for a number of years. No, that's great. Um, I always love to ask people about their backgrounds because I find out something about them um, like you said, filmmaking, um, you know, I had that for a hot minute. I wanted to do that. I went to Penn State University and thought about doing that as well. Instead, I went into journalism um, and I've never written anything. Well, I shouldn't say I've never written anything. I've never done anything journalistic since college. It's so funny how we evolve. I actually found I had to take uh, uh, some journalism classes as well, and one of them was to how to how to write if people remember what a newspaper article is. But it forced you to really, in the first paragraph, say what happened, you know, who it happened to, and what what's important about it. And it it created a type of writing that put the the facts really fast up front, and uh, versus an English essay where you could spend three pages before you got to the punchline. And in business communication and in advertising. Uh, as you know, you know, part of it is people have a limited attention span. 
And if you don't cut to the chase up front and tell them, here's why we're good, here's why we, you should buy us, and here's what's different about us, uh, and you wait 20 minutes to get that story out, they've already changed channels in their head. Yeah, the, el the old elevator pitch. I, th right. I think that's, uh, you know, that's important. And in journalism, we call it the inverted pyramid. Um, yeah. You know, you stack the facts right up there at the top. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you grab people's attention, you give them a reason to keep going. So, so I love that. I think, I think we're all familiar with that, uh, especially in marketing and branding. We know what we have to do to kind of draw people in. Like in, in 2021, social media, all the distractions out there, you have to give people a reason to kind of stop. And that's, and that's really, I think, what it's all about. Yep, exactly. All right, so, so Alan, the world is continuously changing. I mean, the last year and a half has been crazy. Um, and businesses that thrive are the ones that recognize when it's time to evolve with change. Can you explain why companies should embrace change that, to stay relevant and also provide some, uh, some examples? Well, um, I think everyone thinks they're current. No one, no one plans on becoming their grandfather's Oldsmobile. You know, you know. Uh, but we're creatures of habit, and uh, too many of us operate on if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So you go into work. You know, this is what you did yesterday. Worked pretty well yesterday, and there's not a lot of pressure to do something different tomorrow. And you multiply that lots, and you end up with with companies that that are more skilled at doing a little better the same game they played yesterday than saying what happens if people don't want to play that game anymore. Um, so that's the general landscape. And um, you know, change has always been around, but uh, a couple of years back, more and more of my clients were coming in saying, gee, Alan, you know, our sales are a little down and you know, what do we do? Um, and you know, that often is a um, a good point because by the time sales start decreasing, that is what we call a lagging indicator. By the time sales start falling, you've already started losing difference and relevance. And um, it's it's while it's the most obvious reason people say, well, maybe we should change something. If you wait for um, your sales to start trickling down a bit before you do anything differently, uh, you've often waited too long. So more and more of my clients were coming in saying that. And I said, gee, is it just me or more and more businesses as the world speeds up, as change happens faster? And of course, you could argue that the pandemic was a dr dramatic change, but it probably just put a magnifying glass on what was already happening. It, it just accelerated change. Um, and companies in general are not just used to the faster pace of things. So are you suggesting then that companies should be looking to evolve even when things are going well? That's the best time to evolve. I mean, I, there was a, a famous quote from the former chairman of Intel, only the paranoid survive. If, if, you, if, if you treat every day, even when things are good, like this ain't going to last, I may be out of business tomorrow. Um, and if you start thinking about how do we change and be more relevant when your business is strong, you have an, another critical component of success. Because by the time your sales start falling, if you then try to change, you have less money to do it. <laughs> you have less time because that's that's going to, you know, that decline is going to increasingly go down. Uh, and, you know, part of success and changing is being able to execute anything. Lots of people have the same idea for a change, but success is 
really being able to execute it. And to do that, you need the chance to get it wrong a couple times and iterate. Uh, and you also need some fuel in the tank. You need gas. <laughs> and right. without fuel in the tank, you could have the best idea. But if all you can do is keep on cutting uh, staff and keep on cutting product line and keep on cutting things just to, to, to stem the bleeding, you, you might want to change, but you can't change anymore. I love that example. It sounds like you should be more proactive than reactive. So the best time to change is when things are good because you have the time and money to get it right. Gotcha. I love that answer um, because too many people get into that mindset of like, this is the way it's always been done. Um, you know, and, and that's where I was, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I, you know, started in this industry that I'm in and I started doing things. I started getting into that mindset of like, this is what we're doing. This is how it's always been done. It's working. Why should we change it? And then I started to realize in the, in the next coming years that things started to get dated and I should have been looking for solutions at a time when I didn't think solutions were needed. Yep. Uh, right. And it's the toughest time to do it because you're so busy trying to keep your current customers happy and everything's cooking and you're feeling good. That's, you know, the really the most difficult time to say, well, let me reinvent myself. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Um, but again, it's like people are busy. They're, they're, they're doing business. The last thing they're looking to do is evolve and change. So let me ask you about social media. So a decade ago, it was the Wild West. I mean, I know I've been in social media for 13 years. I know what it was like, you know, working as, you know, that as my main job, you know, back in 2009, 2009 and few understood its potential for business then. But today, social media is a vital customer touch point for many brands. Can you tell us a little bit about social media's importance to a brand, especially one that's evolving? Well, it, there, it, there are multiple answers to that. You know, the, the first is that people are spending, of course, more time on social media than anywhere else, um, and um, or more time on their on on electronic devices, whether they're streaming video, watching funny videos or communicating. And, uh, and they're spending less time uh, on the family room couch looking at a program that gets interrupted with now a word from our sponsor. Right. So in the world where eyeballs are mostly on social media, and, and the other thing, for people, word of mouth has always mattered. Back in the, way back in the Mad Men days, if you really wanted to find out about what car to buy, what lawnmower worked, what, what was a great place to have dinner, you went to the backyard fence and asked your neighbor, <laughs> you know, what do you recommend? Who should we hire as a painter for the house? You know, did you, and people are trust their neighbors and their friends more than they trust slick Madison Avenue marketers. So the, the inclination is always to go to social media, see what people are saying, find recommendations, uh, and that's become the most powerful um, marketing tool. It's just one challenge for most businesses. And everyone says, oh, can you give me something on social media that will get a million clicks? And, you know, give me something that'll go viral and I'll be, yeah, this, the, the recipe for success on social media is, is one sentence. The problem is how do you execute that sentence in a way that's relevant? And the sentence is no one shares ordinary. People only share extraordinary things that happen. Now, what extraordinary to you is, 
It may not be interesting sure. to me, but no one says, I took a plane from New York to LA, the plane arrived on time and they didn't lose my bags. You know, you know they're right. either gonna share, the pilot got lost and landed in Kansas City, or the pilot, you know, you know, put on new engines on the plane and we made it two hours and all the takes five. Something different's gonna happen. People share something interesting and different. They just, and so to, to get into the social conversation, you just can't say, try this coffee, it tastes pretty good. You know, my kids like it. Yeah, it's right. just not gonna get shared. <laughs> but you've got to get into that conversation. And the trick is to not use so much borrowed interest, uh, like which happens during a Super Bowl where advertisers are so desperate to get your attention for that time, they do funny, crazy things. And most people will say, oh, I saw a commercial, hit those dancing bears. I, I, I don't really remember the brand. Now, I don't even remember what they wanted me to know, but I love those dancing bears. Right. <laughs> and so if you're doing social media and you're sharing crazy stuff, you got to somehow pivot and say, and this is why you should drink my coffee. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about you know, what it was like back in the Mad Men days. I mean, I grew up in the 80s. Um, you know, that was, you know, when I was mostly on, you know, I, MTV, all this. You paid attention to the commercials because that's what you were doing. You were right. watching TV. You weren't doing anything else. Right. Nowadays, people, if they're watching, you know, just network television, which I don't know too many people who watch network television live. You know, At they, least one more screen in front of them, maybe two. <laughs> right. They're, they're checking out and they're, and they're on social media while there's commercials. So I think social media is, is clearly, you know, an important touch point for a customer. Um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, most brands would agree, especially in 2021 that look, they have to have a presence. They have to be out there. They have to be engaging with their customers, especially when they're evolving as a brand. Exactly. And not only with words, it's not only word of mouth, you know, since everyone's got a high priced video camera in their hands and camera, you know, it's word of eye and you have to use pictures and visuals in interesting ways too. You just can't show your, going back to what I say, you can't show the bar of soap uh, on the bathroom sink. <laughs> you, you, gotta, you gotta do something more interesting with it than just say, here's my product, do you want it? Right, right. You have to, like, I think of the old Irish spring commercials where, right. you know, they're, they're out in some sort of outside shower and they're, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's fresh as an Irish spring, you know, and I'm like, oh, look at that. That's enticing. And it, if they just said, you know, you know, fresh as an Irish spring in a, in a piece of type, that picture wouldn't come to your head. Now, even a small business can create an outdoor Irish shower. You don't need to go to Hollywood to get that done. Right. It's right. probably a little bit of planning, but anyone can shoot anything now. And you should think of yourself as both marketers in the olden days of radio advertising and newspaper, but also capable of telling a story through video. Right here, Alan, this is what, this is all you need in right. 2021. Is exactly. a, it, and well, you also need to know how to use it. That's the well, difference. Uh, for sure. While all the software is pretty easy, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, because, uh, people who are on social media, what they're seeing on TikTok and YouTube, you know, is pretty well done. It's really well done. And I have a 13 year old daughter who makes videos that make me jealous. You know, I'm like, oh my God, like you did that on TikTok. And I, I'm just, five years ago, we couldn't do that. We, right. we were in studio. We have a video person. 
we are, you know, giving our requirements for video. We want this, we want, um, you know, we want this text overlay, we want this, and it takes time to produce that. Now, these things are being produced, you know, by one person on a telephone, on a smartphone in 30 minutes. It's amazing. Right, but then the, you know, the challenge we all face, and as you know, that you can do anything you want and make it look slick, but success is 60% of the time having the right idea, the right, what we call insight. What are we going to say about this? Before you run and hit record on your, on your iPhone, you know, make, because that's most marketers get in trouble when they, when they go for cool techniques, but the punchline, the story is not the right story. And if you're off a little bit in the story, it doesn't work. The story has got to be, as you said, pe when people want to shower, they want that Irish spring morning. That's not an accident. Like, right. A lot of research to say that was the best shower they ever did. You know, that, that smell, that energy, that, that, uh, that feeling of being in an outdoor shower, this, that picture idea is worth more than the commercial they shot. And if they didn't have the right idea of what the perfect shower was, then they wouldn't have been able to shoot the Irish Spring commercial. You bring up a great point there, Alan. Um, and we talk about this as well. You can't just pick up your, your smartphone or go into social media and create content without thinking about what you're doing. Um, yep. you know, and, and we talk about this all the time. Um, you have to really plan it out. You have to understand what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you have to have a strategy in place. And the mess, the marketing message that you put out there has to support your goals. It has to support your, you know, your, your mm -hmm. mission statement. What are you trying to do? And, and I think for a lot of brands, it's backwards. Right. You know, oh, give me a new logo. I need a new ad. I need a new something, you know, where, what they really need is the perfect GPS coordinates. They, you need to be precisely saying this story. doesn't matter. How, without that focus, you know, there's so much content you'll get buried. Totally agree. All right, so let's talk about rebranding. Um, you know, this anytime a company rebrands, it could be a very, very difficult decision. Can you let us know um, how a company can determine when it's time for a change of that magnitude and how they can use social media to their advantage? You know, there's no easy answer to that, as you undoubtedly know. You know, the way we look at it uh, is that the first realization is that a brand is not about, oh, I've heard of Bayer Aspirin. <laughs> you know, just brand awareness. I've heard of Jell-O. Mm -hmm. I've heard of, you know, Kool-Aid. That's great that people know it. But the problem is if people know it, but don't think you're different in a way that matters, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you have to sort of detach yourself from, oh, it's been around forever, because the number of brands that have disappeared that have been around forever is a growing list and say, is that brand have a story that's still different in a way I care about? And, um, and once you say, well, no, the story is not different, then you have to ask yourself, can I get people to think of Kool-Aid in a different way or you know, Twinkies? And if it's gonna take more effort to get people to move they're thinking about Twinkies being a snack to a really healthy food, uh, then, then, then there's more liability than, you know. So, so some moves are easy. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of brouhaha in the press, but it was, I don't think it was a big branding change. 
Dunkin' dropped the name Donuts from their marketing. If you yep. see Donuts, come to Dunkin'. And, and you know, if you ask anybody what does Dunkin' make, they probably will get to Donuts pretty quick. Sure. But, you know, they looked at the liability of where they wanted to go as a brand and what else they wanted to sell. And the liability of realizing that if you eat donuts four times a day, you will look like a donut pretty quickly. <laughs> um, so, you know, they dropped donuts. So that's a small change. It wasn't a small change for them because, they had, you know, it cost them billions of dollars to sure. a donut from hundreds of locations. But I think that's a good example. Or if the brand name you have, you know, is telling people the exact wrong thing. You know, for years I had Radio Shack as a client. We talked to them on and off. Or people aren't buying radios. They, if right. they buy something electronic, do they want to go to a shack? You know, and lots of back. And I'm not. I don't think that Radio Shack, na- the name, killed the business. You know, usually it's never one thing. It's a right. com- compilation of many things. But it certainly didn't help the business that people said, you know, I'm going, no, no one on social media says, hey, I'm going to Radio Shack. Isn't that cool? You know, right. um, so there are lots of, sometimes a brand name, you know, tells people the exact wrong story. You know, we, uh, way back in the Don Draper days, an airline went out of business because it said it only flew on the eastern part of the United States, Eastern Airlines. Yep, I remember Eastern. <laughs> so, so when you decide to rebrand is when the story your brand tells is could still be aware, people could still remember you, but is it really different in a way that people matter, that the consumers find relevant? Yeah, I like those those examples. Those are really good big brand examples. You know, I remember when Dunkin' dropped donuts, you know, and I think they had already established themselves enough where you you already knew that they had donuts, but they were more than donuts. You know, I think that over the years, you know, I, I was a, and I still am a, a loyal customer of Dunkin' Donuts and I rarely eat donuts. Like I, mm. I'm the coffee guy, you know, boom, I drink the coffee. Never do I go there for their, um, for their donuts. donuts yeah. <laughs> now they have, they have bagels, they have sandwiches, they have a lot more. They now have, bananas. <laughs> yeah, well, they, yeah, they have all the, the, the silly frilly drinks that they compete with Starbucks. Um, so it's more than donuts. And I, and I, and I see why they dropped, you know, they dropped it and, and they really pushed it. Like I saw it all over social media when they first rebranded, it was Duncan, 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 um, and no donuts, but they kept almost everything the same, the color scheme, you know, everything about but they didn't have to change any negative perceptions of the brand. You know, they wanted to keep the good and just edit it a bit. Right, right. That's the easiest type of rebranding. And about Eastern, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Eastern was named because they only flew on the East Coast. Is that true? Florida, yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Because yeah. I re- Again, airlines go out of business for a hundred reasons. Right. Um, but, um, if you're picking a name, you don't want to have the name limit your... Um, just, you know, international business machines was, you know, it had to become IBM because no one was buying business machines anymore. Right. Now I think of, and and you brought up earlier about, um, you know, at the time when a brand comes out and they have a name, they may not be able to see into the, you know, 20 years, 25 years. Like I think of Aunt Jemima as an example, Aunt Jemima obviously rebranded, um, Mm -hmm. for this, for the, um, the racist uh, mm-hmm. stigma about Aunt Jemima. Now, 
100 years ago or whenever that brand came out, that may not have been something that was frowned upon. Um, you know, and I think it's difficult for brands to kind of like, you know, at this time in 2021, you know, maybe something that they brand as in 20 years may not kind of support their brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at what happened to the, uh, the football teams, uh, you know, whether it's the Washington team that's rebranding or the Cleveland team that just rebranded. And, um, you know, when those names started a hundred years ago, yeah, there might've been some, gee, that's not great, but 98% of people had no issue with it. And all right. of a sudden, 70 years later, more yeah. than, more than 2% have, of the population didn't think it was a good idea. Right. So let's talk about, um, an article you were recently quoted in uh, by Adweek. Um, it was about Victoria's Secret uh, and its race against time. Your quote was, once it becomes your grandfather's automobile, it's hard to bring it back. Can you explain what you mean by that and a lesson brands can take away from it? Well, you know, Victoria's Secret for years was a um, incredibly powerful business, hugely successful. But you know, at its core, the, the story, the message, the strategy, as you say, the GPS was about the definition of male, women and how they should be portrayed and was based on the Hugh Hefner days, mm -hmm. <laughs> the Playboy magazine days. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it, was, uh, it was not working girl, it was you know, sexy bunny girl. And uh, that served them really well for lots of times, but as you just said, all of a sudden, women don't see themselves as a Playboy bunny if they even look in the history book to figure out what that was. Right. Uh, so uh, they got into a position they had to figure out how to sell sexy lingerie. What's the new definition? What will last? Um, and um, you know, to some extent, it gets back to where we started the conversation. They kept their same formula until the end, until they pulled the plug. They didn't spend the last eight years just modifying it a little bit every year, making it slightly different. They didn't, they just were stuck in the 60s. Right. <clears throat> 70s or 80s. Um, and so by the time they came up against 2020, it was completely a lightning rod. And so <clears throat> changing, and it's difficult <clears throat> because once the brand name is that, that highly linked to, you know, that definition of sexiness, it's really hard to say, oh no, we're, we're, we're more inclusive. We're, you know, we see women as more than. Than Hugh Hefner saw them. <laughs> so let me ask you, how do, how do brands kind of keep track of their brand equity and you know, like, I know that you can look at revenue, obviously, you know, as, as an indicator. What else can brands do to kind of monitor, you know, that, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, you know where, 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 where people's heads are at. Right. And, and, you know, typically what happens is you ask your friends, do you still like my product? Oh, yeah, Bob, we love your product. You know, we did a piece of research many years ago, uh, and I always love this question. We were working for Pizza Hut and, you know, their sales were pretty good. And, you know, and so but one of the researchers asked some groups of consumers, if Pizza Hut 
went out of business tomorrow, what would you feel like? What would you do? What would it mean to you? And everyone was feeling really, really and we got into the groups and all of a sudden feels like, oh, might just go to Domino's. No, no big deal. You know, it's, it's right. okay pizza, but you know, I would go. And, and so once it became clear that even though lots of people were still buying it, there was no, you know, I buy it because it's the one on the way to, you know, the gas station or my kids like, you know, th there was no more juice left in the lemon. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so despite the fact that everything looked good, sales were still good, you know, research said, do you like pizza? If you ask people, do you like the taste? Yeah, it's all right. So people are not, it's, you can use them as an early warning signal, but you have to really ask them the right question. Otherwise they're just going to say, oh yeah, it's fine. You know, and of course the big thing going on now, just tying back to social media is that you used to be able to send out, you know, people come do a focus group with you or send out a questionnaire. You know, right now when people are unhappy with you, they don't want to go to a focus group. They don't want to even fill out your questionnaire. Please stay on the line five minutes longer and ask me three questions, answer three questions. What they do is they just say, you know, they just get on social media and say, I can't believe, you know, I had a slice of pizza at Pizza Hut. And, you know, it was terrible. You know, they, their first place to communicate is social media. So if you want to find out if you're heading into trouble, don't get on social media saying, how do I get people to pay attention to me? You know, look at so and read it and, you know, listen better. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think you bring up a really good point, Alan, in um, social media is, is now in 2021, the first place people go to complain about a brand. They don't right. pick up the phone anymore. You know, right. it's, it's so, it's arduous. It's, it's person to person communication that usually requires automation to get to somebody when you can just go out that you have a megaphone, you have social media available and people are watching, you know, these are people that are either customers, potential customers, and what you say matters. And I think that's a great point when, when talking about the power of social media, uh, you know, and businesses have to be paying attention to what's being said about their brand on social media to get an indication of how they're doing. Now, I think about Domino's. Domino's did a really good campaign um, a couple of years ago. They, they were really interested in feedback about their pizza. And they were pushing, they were, their commercials were, we want to be better. You know, we know that we have failed in the past. And they're really, you know, trying to, to do everything that they can to create a product that is better. And social media played in really well with that. And they were encouraging their customers to show them pictures, videos of when they mess up. And they, because they want to sh show that they're accountable and that they're going to make things better. Exactly. So most people think of social media as how can I tell my story? You know, as you just said, the most important thing of social media is how can you better understand what's in your customer's head? And it's not only, you know, seeing I hate, you know, dominoes in writing, but it's looking at pictures, it's thinking about it. So if people spend 20, 20% more, 30% more time listening and really looking with open eyes uh, and getting out of their bubble. The other problem is if you're just in your own LinkedIn group or your own Instagram group, everyone's thinking the same way and change usually doesn't, brands don't implode from the inside, they implode from the outside. So you got to get out of your bubble and, you know, try to look at customers that you ordinarily don't 
connect with it. They may not be on your Twitter feed. Right. <laughs> they may be on your competitor's Twitter. And so, but spending more time listening on social media, it's easy, but it's hard to do. And when you think back, I, you know, I often say, you know, what, what's sort our of characteristics for a good marketer? Um, I often think people who can look at what is and say, you, you know, sort of like back in the olden days, Jerry Seinfeld used to do, you ever wonder why people take the muffin tops and eat those and throw them? You know, you, you have to have, you have to look at the world with fresh eyes uh, and it's really hard to do, but which is why diversity in the workplace or asking your kids or, you know, don't ask your best friend what they would do because they would probably do the exact same you, thing you would do and which is going to send your business uh, in the exact wrong direction. Right. And you bring up social media, how um, listening on social media, you know, around your brand is not easy to do. And I, I'm, I've been in the social media business game for over a decade. I'm a big proponent that brands should have people in place doing social media you know, and, and it's, who's not the intern, you know, and not right. to say that interns don't know how to use social media, but what I'm saying is you need a marketing professional who understands how to find the conversations around your brand that you may not be aware of because there are conversations going on everywhere about your brand, whether, whether you believe that or not, people are talking right. about it in different areas. And then you have to do the obvious stuff because, you know, if you see something bad, you have to break that thing because it's only going to get worse and you you know how do you stop the 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 person who's really unhappy and the, the you know, they were on the flight and they lost my bag and they took me to the wrong city you know because if you don't mitigate that situation you know it's it closing your eyes it doesn't go away and also find you know the vincent who's somewhat happy that you then send a free coupon for another product and they become somewhat happy to very happy. And once they're extremely happy, they're going to get on the mountaintop and shout, you know, buy my coffee. That is perfect. The brand advocate, like, you know, and, and fix their problems publicly. You know, we're, yeah. we're big on that too. You know, when somebody has an issue with your brand, be very, very accountable for that. Show everyone else who's watching that you're there for them. You apologize. Boom. You could convert that unhappy customer into a brand advocate and you may also at the same time create additional customers in the process don't, you know don't say well paragraph six uh, it's our you know of our terms and conditions say we don't have to replace the pizza if you didn't enjoy it you know you know it does it, don't confuse yourself with the facts yep you know if you take the view that you know all that matters is getting this customer happy and i don't have to worry about doing it every time for every customer you know, but if I can get that customer happy, it's certainly going to be better for my business than if he or she continues to feel that, oh, you, yes, you said that we only had a 10, 10 minute warranty. I, I should have read that, but I didn't. Right. Like make, make it right. If you're doing it in a public forum, make it right, whatever you have to do. And the, the, the good that's going to come out of that is going to outweigh whatever cost that you have to absorb there. I, I think it's, it's a win for the brand for sure. So let me ask you about, I have to ask you about uh, the new Cleveland Indians name, the Guardians. You said it was a weak, safe choice and a missed opportunity. Can you explain that? Yeah, first of all, there's, it, it's really hard to do naming. Most people say, oh, I'll just get, <laughs> go back to, let's, let's order in from Pizza Hut and all sit around and, uh, and uh, brainstorm. You know, part of the challenge of naming is, is, is not what the word is, but what can you get? 
so you know to get a good name you need 10 great names of which um trademarks and your attorneys will say you can't have nine of them so, right. So, you know, and to some extent, there's nothing wrong with guardians, but uh, you know, the, the most important thing for a name is it has to have a story associated with it. Uh, their story is that it was a statue on a bridge over over the river. That's a story, but it's not very motivating. Um, you know, sports teams are tough to name because they fall into what we call in the business badge brands. It's not like I buy a toothpaste, no one sees it. I take it home and use it in my bathroom. You know, when you're a sports brand or a beer brand, you wear the t-shirt, you you put the bumper sticker on the car. <clears throat> so they're, they're things that define who you are. I'm a Cleveland fan, I'm a Washington fan. So it's far more personal. And th those are the toughest brands to, to do. So with Guardian, I just felt it was, yeah, an okay name, but it's not a name that's gonna change anything maybe that's what they, they you know and which often happens right you have a large group of people trying to make a decision and usually teams have fans players management you know the more people that are involved and in make you know you end up it's like a committee making a decision you right. end up potentially eliminating any disaster so guardians a fine name it's just and you you probably eliminate anything that's going to get you right you know, it's like this came up with Apple. He didn't do research because if you did research and ask 100 people, should we name a technology company Apple? They say, what are you, you know, you're in the food business. Would you crazy? It has to be, you know, a cool sounding name. And, you know, so you, 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 you have to be somewhat contrarian to do it well. And it's hard for large organizations to do that. Yeah, I, I see your point about they were in a tough spot. You know, they, I think they had to kind of have a neutral sort of vanilla name that, uh, you know, could appeal to most people, but not really be too edgy or, right. you know, polarizing the other way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I thought, because I think Spiders was one of the names that they were considering. Um, and I thought that was a cool name. I don't know why I thought it was cool. I just thought it was a little bit more edgy than Guardians. And the logo I thought wasn't particularly done well as, as well. Plus they, there was a Cleveland Guardians uh, team already in the Cleveland area. I think it, I think it was roller derby. Um, so they didn't even research whether or not there was. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course it's been used in insurance and financial services. And what it means is you know safety and security and protection. Right. And if you want to, sports team yeah they need to have a good defense but most people want to you know have the person in the number four slot hit the home run right. and want a great offense and a, a more aggressive name often does better in sports than a where the safekeeping guardians right well said all right alan a couple more questions for you so when i think of brands that stand stand out on social media to stay top top of mind and relevant I can't help but think of some of the big brands. Um, you know, they can they can afford to take risks. How can smaller brands stand out on social me social media with little risk? Well, um, the I think the most important thing they can do is to constantly be in a what I'll call a test and learn situation. You know, um, smaller brands tend to say, "Oh, we're going to have one shot to do this," and they they procrastinate and they all finally move the chess piece 
um, um, uh, at the last possible minute. So I think they should always be in a, let's try this with a group of people, let's experiment. You know, realizing that success is mostly about the company that execute the, executes the best versus has the best idea. Apple didn't, you know, there, there were lots of tablets out there. HP had a tablet, Compaq had a tablet, Dell had a tablet, but iPad got it all right from the user interface to the design, to even how they showed it in the first ads, not by somebody using it at a desk or a table, but using it on a couch on their knee. So, you know, realize that it's gonna take you some time to iterate. So, you know, small companies should constantly be in, let's try it, let's learn from it. Don't do it everywhere, but try to get in a mode of not having one idea that you just launch, but having two or three things you're working on in different areas of development uh, as if you were a new product firm, not so much um, just waiting for the, for the big new and improved story. So, so kind of, you know, reach outside your comfort zone and, right. and kind of ties back to what we were saying originally, like when things are going good, you should always be experimenting, trying new things, um, right. evolving. So that's a, that's a perfect way to kind of wrap up, you know, the, the questions. I have one final fun question, Alan, because I always end with a fun question. Um, now, my industry is promotional products or swag, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about some of the items that you use to promote your brands. Can you tell us, you know, some of the, some of the swag you use and some of the favorite ones that you like? I like to you know, two things. One, I want to make sure whatever we use is visible when people. So while you know pens are nice, most people don't take a pen out and wave it around when they're walking. Right. So I, I tend to look for items that are that are more visible for other people to see, mm -hmm. as much as providing enjoyment for the current customers. So that would be you know water bottles or backpacks or cell phone chargers or you know things that that they just use, hopefully, when they escape from Zoom lockup right. uh, and get back out in the world. Because I, I think while it needs to make your current user happy, it needs to fit in their life, you know, it needs to, the best swag needs to promote the brand to new users. I was had a conversation way back when with the, that time, the, the chief marketing officer for JetBlue. And she said, you know, I can tell when our brand is on fire or hot because everyone's taken the pillows, the blankets, the cups, the, you know, you know right. the more stuff that was finding its way out of the airplane, the more she knew that the brand was hitting the right notes. No and, kidding. Yeah. And so I, I think that, you know, it's a good way to, you know, people want to wear brands that they feel are great. <clears throat> and so t-shirts, hoodies, backpacks, those are my favorites, probably more than you asked for. It's, it's funny you bring up the, um, the, the theft, so to speak. I I think when it comes to pens, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's encouraged. Theft is encouraged. Now, I, I think about um, banks. You remember banks? You know, TD you, Bank used to, you know, their big thing was un, uh, taking the ball and chain off the pen in the branch. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I still go to my bank, you know, maybe once or twice a year. But when I go there, they always have a ton of pens. And it's like, you know, it doesn't say take a pen, but right. the it, right. the assumption is you're going to take a pen, you're going to keep it, especially now during COVID. No, you know, nobody wants to reuse a pen. Right. Um, you, you take it out and you bring it home 
And there you are. You're every you're, day. It's right in front of your nose. Uh, yep. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, go ahead, Al. Sorry. No, I. It, you know, part of it is every brand needs a, a different approach, but I do think that um, I always like to zig when when everyone's going after they look. Everyone wants a water bottle, and that's the way to go. I'm always believing if we're the fiftieth water bottle in the market, who cares? Right. I'd rather you know zig zag and go the other way and say what what is no one giving out because it's still relevant. I was, I still use you know paper clips, so you know it does it it, it trying to be both relevant and different. Watching that pendulum swing, find yeah. the things that are kind of, you know, ahead of the trend and right. jump on those trends. I love that answer. Alan, thank you so much for your time today. And for those who want to get a hold of you, can you uh, give us some information? Yeah, you can uh, Google me or do alan at metaphors.com. Thank you so much again, Alan, for your time today. Hope it worked, Vincent. Nice seeing you. 